Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we celebrate our first year anniversary with a look at one of the most celebrated and iconic Hindi films, Ashutosh Gowarakar's Lagan from 2001. Welcome back, lovers. Uh, we're getting this out a little bit late because we were out of town last weekend. We were in Calgary and Matt was winning awards. Yeah, for for work. <laughs> yeah. I won work awards. Work awards. Way yeah. to work, Matt. Thank you. I feel like I did a good job at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're here at last to talk about Lagan, and it's our one-year anniversary on the podcast. Yes! Happy anniversary, Matt. We yes. have been plugging away at this podcast for a year now, and it's been quite an interesting year. Yeah. Uh, did you figure we were going to make it this far? I Well, I, I didn't think we would commit to doing this podcast if we weren't going to commit to doing it long-term. That's a good attitude. Yeah. Yeah. What's been your uh, favorite episode so far? Oh, my favorite episode? Oh, I don't know. Huh. Here, let's pause and look it up. Okay. All right. So we uh, went back and looked <laughs> at our archives. And uh, yeah, what are what's your favorite episode? I, I think the episode we recorded with Juliet on Diwali and Bajra Masani really sticks out to me. Partly because... You fell out of a chair, and it was really entertaining. And we had three different <laughs> levels of, you know, podcasting sound occur uh, over the course of the episode, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, it was just fun to have, you know, Juliet in town and be able to go to these movies with her and discuss them with her, because she's one of my favorite people, as everyone knows. I'm very pro-Juliet. I also really like our episode on Ali Abbott, because I love Ali Abbott, and I think those are three really fun movies that were really interesting to discuss. I also really like the uh, Ali Abad episode. I think the quality of films that she was in, maybe not including Shandar, which was <laughs> it was fun, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Like that, those are just a solid set of movies. And, you know, had we even pushed it further and waited for Uta Punjab, I mean, that was great too. Yeah, that's an amazing movie. Like she's She's got a really good body of work. Uh, I think my favorite one, probably again dealing with the body of work, is the Anne Ray Cash App episode. I thought of that one too. It was a really, it was a really fun episode to do. Really interesting. Yeah, and you know, um, it took a little while to watch all of Gangs of Wasepur, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a great movie. And Some of us didn't fall asleep. I fell asleep <laughs> five hours into a five and a half hour movie. Spoiler: I fell asleep during Lagan. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. You're one to talk. You fell asleep an hour and a half into Lagan, which is only three hours and 40 minutes. And you didn't even watch the deleted scene, which so, I did. Oh, sorry. So, you know, it's it's been a good good run. Um, we had some good guests on. And yeah. we have, you know, lots of big stuff planned for the future. Yeah, and we have so many people to thank. So all of the guests who came on and provided their insights, some of whom are going to be returning in this second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone at Audio Boom for, you know, welcoming us onto their platform. Especially Shonda Garani, who yes. we're hoping to actually have on the show uh, soon to yes. talk about some movies. Looking forward to that. And... All of our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this show this yeah. past year. Uh, thank you to everyone who left reviews. Um, and thank please. you to all of our Twitter followers yes. who are you know, interested in indulging us with just talking <laughs> about Bollywood stuff. Often there's a uh, time zone difference too. So yeah. you know what's convenient for us isn't necessarily convenient for you. So it's always fun to have a discussion with you guys. So yeah. you're the real heroes. This has been a really interesting year, and I'm curious, Matt, how has your perspective on Bollywood changed from, or on film changed, from when we started the show a year ago to now? Um, well, 
you know, I think I said this early on, but I think it's almost more interesting to look at the popular output of a country mm-hmm. rather than their art cinema because... That being you know, said, your favorite episode was on Anya Cash App. That being said, my favorite episode was on Anya Cash App, and I enjoyed, you know... A couple of the movies we did on Art Houses for Lovers, mm-hmm. or Parallel Cinemas for Lovers, that's what we called it. But um, I think trying to figure out what's popular and why is more of a fun puzzle than what's arty. Mm-hmm. Because, spoiler alert, the things that are arty kind of transcend uh, nationalities. There, yeah. there, is, there is things you can point at to say, that's an art film. Yeah. But... Figuring out why certain things are popular, that's that's more of an adventure because you have to really put yourself in the mindset of a normal person living in a in a different uh, in a different uh, social sphere. Mm-hmm. So I've I've been enjoying uh, you know not completely understanding why some things happen and trying to get myself in that headspace to get there. But you've really kind of come to embrace Bollywood. We've done what is it seventy seventy plus films for this podcast. Yeah. We watched more on top of that. Yeah, we're probably coming up to around 100 Bollywood movies watched with the podcast in mind, I'd mm-hmm. say. And you've seen even more than that. Yeah, and I've just seen you really embrace the kind of the aesthetics of Bollywood. And it's very different than watching Hollywood movies or hard house movies. Like there mm-hmm. is, you know, we were talking the other day on Twitter about the learning curve that came with Bollywood. Um, and that that was a challenge, but something I think we've found very fruitful, well worth doing. Like now, you know, we've, we don't understand necessarily everything. We don't have the cultural context. We haven't been watching these movies our whole life. Mm-hmm. But as far as appreciating the aesthetics, the rhythms, the storylines, the actors, we've, we're there. Like we, yeah. we really enjoy these movies. Yeah, I guess I just continue to be somewhat shocked and disappointed, really, um, about the not intentional but by omission bias mm-hmm. against Bollywood in um, most of the film criticism that we have access to. Yeah, here in the West. Yeah, the movies are easy enough to find if you try. Mm-hmm. If uh, They you know. play in our local cinemas every week. Yeah, and if, if critics wanted to, you know... Put the same amount of effort into learning about Bollywood as we have, for instance. I mean, I can't... I'm sure I've seen as many Hindi movies now as I've seen French movies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like I could talk fairly intelligently about something like the French New Wave. Yeah. And, you know, to be a film critic here, you definitely need to know that much, right? Yeah. But no one seems to want to put in the work to learn about this equally interesting, you know, cinema experience. Yeah, I noticed something really interesting recently that really frustrated me. And that was the BBC poll for the top 100 films oh, yeah. of this century. I think that might have been Channel 4. We can put it in the notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah we will. Um, it also sounds like something Sight and Sound would do. It wasn't Sight and Sound. I think yeah. Sight and Sound would have been a bit more adventurous, but go on. Yeah. So they asked critics all over the world to kind of submit in um, preferential order uh, their top 10 films of the past century. Um, there's about 103 films on the list, not a single Indian movie. Yeah. And this I find kind of astounding. On one hand, I'm not surprised, but on the other hand, it's very disappointing. Now, I will say um, 
a large percentage of the critics who were asked and who submitted were American. Mm -hmm. um, after that, there's a lot of British critics. There were, um, I believe, four critics from India, mm -hmm. um, and there were a couple of critics in the UK who submitted who are Indian, um, who did submit some Indian films, but none of them made the top 100. It's like a preferential ballot, right? So yeah. if everyone puts The Dark Knight, for instance, Which is on, on their the list, list, yeah. Whatever. And yeah, there's a lot of popular Hollywood cinema. Yeah. Um, a lot of very famous and well-loved art movies from all over the world. A lot of kind of East Asian cinema. Mm -hmm. um, but nothing Indian. And this this strikes me as a huge omission. You know, mm -hmm. India releases more films annually than anywhere else in the world. And you can't tell me that none of these movies of the past century are, you know, worth putting on a list like this. And I do think it comes yeah. from a lack of knowledge and a lack of interest in Indian cinema, of which Bollywood is a part of that. Yeah. And I do think, like, you know, Lagan was the film that came to my mind that I thought, this this should probably be here. Like this, Even if you're, like, a bare minimum film... This is acclaimed. This is a landmark yeah. movie of the past yeah. century. Even if you're a bare minimum, you know... You maybe you're like my parents or something. Like mm -hmm. you're you're interested enough in movies that if something comes up at the Oscars, it kind of just goes on your mm -hmm. mental radar. Like okay, that seems interesting. Like for instance, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. A lot of people who'd never seen a wuxia film in their lives. I hadn't, but I was young yeah. when it came out. But like that was an entry point for people into Chinese movies, perhaps. Yeah. But Lagan, you know, being nominated at the awards, that should have, you know, rung a few uh, bells for people, mm -hmm. I think. And it doesn't appear to have done so. Yeah, and we'll, we'll return to this when we discuss Lagan. Um, but I do want to say that it really, that thinking about this list, it really struck me how this past year, watching Hindi movies as regularly as we have been, has really challenged and changed my perspective of what constitutes quality cinema. Mm -hmm. And so when I looked at a list like this, I kind of thought, yeah, it's it's maintaining a certain taste level. Yes. And I'm not entirely certain that that taste level is worth maintaining. I certainly don't think it's inherent. I think our judgment of quality is a learned... It's a societal thing. Yeah, it's a societal thing, and it's something we learn. Mm -hmm. um, it is not... Well, it, it is arbitrary. I'll just go out and say it. You know? French movies are considered arty. They're just classy because, they're in, because yeah. they're in French, which we've learned is a language of you know culture and art. Yeah. And you know you get the French New Wave. Sure, they reimagined movies. Sure, the Lumiere brothers invented movies. Yeah. But they didn't. You know, they didn't stop there. You know, it, it spread out across the across the uh, world and everywhere. People are cranking out. You know important accessible movies mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's somewhat chauvinistic to just completely take one territory off the map because either you don't have the interest or the time to do it yeah but if you make the time you could do it i mean and in a year i mean you know it's taken it's taken effort on our part but in a year i think we've learned a lot it's it's taken effort on our part but it didn't stop us from watching other movies i mean mm. i've probably watched I didn't watch Suicide Squad, but I've seen basically every other summer blockbuster that is all that anyone talks about, right? Yeah. Like, I've seen most of the 
art films. Well, I've seen a lot of the art films that have come to town. Yeah. I'm not saying I've really gone out of my way to watch a lot of them lately, but like, I feel like I've kept up enough with this year in film as what, as much as a normal person who lives in, you know, not the biggest town, doesn't yeah. get everything right away, but someone who has an interest in film, I, I, I try to keep up as well as I can. And someone who's not being paid to watch movies. And someone who's, <laughs> ju- yeah, who doesn't have, who watches movies as a hobby. I mean, yeah. I, I think I do about as well as I can. And in addition to that, we watched like a hundred Bollywood movies. Yeah. So you know, it if you if you're able to open up your mind and you know expand your film going diet, I think the only the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to become a better critic. For instance, yeah. That's one of the things I love about movies is that you're always two hours away from being better at your job. You will have watched if another, you're a critic. If you're a critic, but yeah. like. You're always two hours away from greater enlightenment and understanding of the form because movies are, um, you know, not as short as songs, but they're pretty easy to digest chunks of mm-hmm. art. And we shouldn't say that... Maybe not all of them are two hours. Like, come on, <laughs> we're talking about Bollywood here, but, you know, it is fairly um, straightforward a means yeah. of appreciating something. And I do want to say, like, we have no bias against French films. Mm-hmm. Um, I love a lot of French movies. Uh, but apart from Xavier Dolan, I do have a bias against him, <laughs> okay. but he's Canadian, so you know I'm allowed. Um, but there, I think there is kind of yeah, there is this hierarchy, and when something is in French, it is perceived as artier than a film in Hindi. And I just, I think it's I mean, almost what, a bias what? against the French too, because right. you know, think about Pepe Le Pew and stuff like that, <laughs> like the way that. Pepe Le Pew is not a French invention. No, no, no. Think about it. He's not a, like, I know, but this is what we think France is like. Right. We're, okay, we're, given, okay. we're given the illusion of, oh, it's very classy. Oh, all their movies are very confusing. Think about... Uh, and they're trying to steal our women. Think about Sweden as well, like The okay. Seventh Seal. When someone in their mind, who's maybe not completely educated on the subject, when they think of an art movie, they think of a guy playing chess with death. It's depressing and dark. Right. Like, that's, that is the default state of art movie I would or that's think. what they think a foreign language film yeah is. but a foreign language film can be anything exactly it's just a film in a language that is foreign to you. yeah um but what do you what do you think of kind of my statement that this past year watching these movies it has challenged a certain perspective of how you think about film and certainly about film quality because when a lot of people approach bollywood they think they're melodramatic campy musicals and you know what? They are melodramatic, can't be musicals. But that doesn't mean they can't be just as important, just as well-made, just as interesting, just as layered as, you know, whatever. Um, as, I don't know, Son of Saul, the movie that won the Best Foreign Language Oscar last year, which yeah. is an amazing movie. So, uh, stereotyping. Mm-hmm. Just because the only Bollywood movies someone has probably even heard of really mm-hmm. is something like ddlj or lagan or lagan which is the big over-the-top musical numbers and mm-hmm. you know larger than life story i think yeah i think there's maybe a bit of a perception problem among you know film critics basically um it's yeah. like it's like judging Every Japanese movie based on Savage Samurai, which is one I, w- I do want to talk about when talking about Lagan, because it did remind me of that. Yeah. But or or kind of you know Takashi Miike, you know I think you could say the same thing about South Korean cinema that it's all yeah. you know like there's these 
Well, extreme... Mickey is Japanese, but yeah. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Um, but like, if you if you think about like Park Chan Wook, yeah. and 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 Kim Ji Woon, yeah, and that camp, very like, intense. Yeah, they're all like yeah. really dark, graphic revenge narratives. Like, because yeah. I mean, like a lot a lot of people would lump that together, and then kind of that extremism in Japan and South Korea is the same thing. But yeah. actually, like, there's these really lovely, uh, quiet family dramas being well, that's made. What like happens, Our Little Sister, which came That's what happens when you have an entire country's output with the movies. Yeah. You know, something is going to be designated as exportable. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's probably the distributor that's in, you know kind of by absentee choice is deciding what people think of the output of a nation, just what they think is going to sell. Whereas who knows? And that's not to say that that we haven't met any critics who uh, don't know what they're talking about 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 Hollywood, who are not adventurous. Someone like Danny Bose, Mm -hmm. you know, he wrote great pieces. He still continues to write great, great pieces and has educated us on Bollywood. And, you know, I, I just wish more people were getting into it. Well, I do think it's going to become more and more visible as uh, Bollywood continues to kind of take more of a global stage. Mm-hmm. And recently, Forbes put out their list of the highest paid actors in the world and the highest paid actresses in the world. And I noticed something very interesting. And that was... The Khans were on this list. Actually, mm-hmm. Kumar was on this list. Topeka Padukone was on this list. So it was Tony Lau and Fan Bingbing from China. And so yeah. I think both India, especially Bollywood, and Chinese cinema is going to be kind of more and more prominent in the global film market in yeah. you know the years to come as people demand more and more diversity in their films and as kind of distribution models continue to globalize yeah um it's it's been an interesting year for film because Mm -hmm. i think the general consensus was that for your blockbuster type hollywood movies the it has been a disaster like there's not one that you can point at and say this was unequivocally good um civil war most people seem to like but that was like april Mm -hmm. um all most of the big hollywood output was Subpar. I mean, I liked a lot of it, but um, the general consensus is that movies are dying. TV is good now, but movies will never die. No. You just have to look for them somewhere else. Exactly. Exactly. And we have. So Mm -hmm. cheers to us. And again, thank you listeners for joining us on this journey. We hope uh, to bring you many more interesting episodes in our second year. Yeah. Just... Become a film omnivore. You know, don't stick to one country. <laughs> don't don't just take what's given to you. Go out there and find something interesting for yourself. Yeah, we understand that to a certain extent we're preaching to the choir because if you're listening to this episode, you probably have an interest in Bollywood already. Um, if you don't, you know, thank you for listening and <laughs> thank the person who introduced you to the show. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think don't be afraid to look at and get interested in any country's popular cinema, you know, whether, I mean, we've been more interested in Chinese movies over the past year as well, whether, you know, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, or, you know, French, Swedish. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, you know, it's supposedly a bad year for movies, but I've probably seen more great movies this year than I have 
in any year of my life. Yeah. I know my reading has somewhat suffered. I haven't been able to read as much as I want, but I've been watching more and more good movies, and I feel like I'm just kind of developing that part of my brain. Well, let's get to one of those good movies, because Matt, Lagan is certainly one of the most highly acclaimed Bollywood films yeah. uh, ever, and that we've ever talked about. Yeah, um, we knew we wanted to devote a special episode to this, because it holds a special place in film history, really. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very important, and it's also just a crowd pleaser. And finally, I can say I've seen it because over the past year, every time anyone asked me if I'd seen Lagan, I was really ashamed every time to be like, no, not yet. Yeah. Um, but now I have sat through all three hours and 40 minutes of Lagan, admittedly, in over two different nights because I'm a sleepy panda. Yeah. But this is one of those cultural touchstone movies. It's, yeah. You know, I feel, again, I might just get more jokes from now on. I bet if I go back and watch a Varun Dewan movie... I'm sure there's probably some been Le- some Lagan mo- jokes I've missed out on. Maybe. Maybe someone was bet triple Lagan at one point, and I was like, I don't know. Too dumb to know what that is. Now I do. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Lagan. So, Lagan, subtitle, Once Upon a Time in India. We're going to get back to that. Directed by Ashutosh Gowariker, stars Amir Khan, Gracie Singh, Rachel Shelley, and Paul Blackthorne. And... Half of this cast is white, Matt. Yeah. And I have to say... I mean, first off, it's kind of silly to say, but the white people in this movie are really good. You actually, you know, since this is um, definitely an East meets West kind of story, you actually need, like, good English actors in this and not just some random Norwegian tourist or whoever they have in a lot of movies. In order to have the central dynamic of the movie play out, they needed to have these char- these characters being played by good actors, and they did. So, and we generally yeah. find that kind of like your top tier Bollywood films when they do have white characters in them, say Badmukha Bag and mm-hmm. Rang Dabasanti, that those white actors are very very good. Yeah, and you know, so I think the stereotype that white actors in Bollywood movies are always terrible is not entirely true. Yes, it's it's just kind of. Your regular output, but this is this is a prestige picture. This yeah. is an A plus picture that was gunning for you know fame and fortune, it and went all the way to the Oscars. Yeah, and it, it you know it did really well. So it was nominated for the best foreign language film at the Academy Awards, which was the third time ever. Yeah, after Mother India and Salam Bombay. And so there hasn't been one since. That's amazing, honestly. Like I know you're a big Lutera fan. I like it as well. That should have been in there. It was not... Well, the thing with the uh, Best Foreign Language Academy Awards is that each country submits a film. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to whatever jury within that country, they decide what movie to submit. And that's the only film that yeah. the committee for the Academy Awards that decides the nominations looks at. It would be an interesting episode idea. Maybe maybe when the Oscars are on this year, we could look back at other movies that India has decided mm-hmm. upon. Because yeah. I would be interested, like, just compared to the output we've been watching lately, I, I would like to see their choices because yeah. I don't know if they're really picking the right sort of movies. In recent years, it hasn't been Hindi films either. Last year, it was this film Court, mm-hmm. um, which we, I was not a huge fan of. It was very, very arty. Very, very slow. That's um, not the sort of thing that wins Oscars. You need a crowd pleaser like this. Yeah, I... 
well, but I mean, it would have been up against Son of Saul, which is kind of a powerhouse. Like, it's, it's hard to deny yeah. the power of that movie. Um, and then the year before, it was a Gujarati film. I think it was the first time they'd submitted a Gujarati film, The Good Road, um, which is on Netflix, and I keep meaning to watch. I've heard very good things about so it. So I guess, I guess that is kind of testament to what we were saying earlier, that other world cinemas are growing as well and in and uh, india because there are so many different languages you know it is a competition to see what's going to go so that makes sense that the bollywood movies are not generally going to be going you can go with other language groups yeah but i mean there has been a lot of bollywood movies submitted in the past and probably a topic for a future episode you know what yeah what bollywood movies have have they submitted to the oscars yeah i'm sure there's probably a few amitabh bachan films that have been submitted well there's some other amir khan films as well yeah so you know that's a future episode, though. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, the, so at the Oscars, it lost to a film called No Man's Land from Bosnia and Herzegovina. I've never heard of this film nor seen it. You, that's the thing about a lot of the foreign language pictures that win. They just kind of disappear. You know, Crouching Tiger, that had resonance. And Amelie, which was also up that year. People yeah. remember Amelie. You yeah. want to talk about a movie that has somewhat influenced the way that people think about French stuff. Amelie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know Emily was up for other awards that year as well, um, and I remember watching it in 2001 and being, you know, or I guess 2002 is when it would have aired, um, and being surprised that Amelie didn't win. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell this. I'm going to lay my cards on the table. I, I prefer this film to Amelie. Like, I prefer La Grande Amelie as well, but... And possibly novelty. I mean, I've seen Amelie two or three times. I'm and just I not think a big that, Amelie fan. I but think I that really sort like of twee feel to it has definitely rubbed off on people. It was fairly yeah. revolutionary at the time, I remember. Yeah, but I, I remember watching this awards ceremony in this movie from India being nominated and like just being really fascinated. I remember playing in theaters in Edmonton and I really wanted to go. Um, and, you know, kind of that that was... You know, 15 years ago now, mm-hmm. 15, 14 years ago now, I <laughs> didn't have the the access to these things. You didn't so live glad. in town. It would it would have exactly. been hard to get into town. Exactly. I'm so glad I've been able to catch up with the movie now. Well, yeah, and you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, but would you, again, would distribution you distribution is so important now yeah. because now that you could just dial up any movie you want on iTunes, now even that barrier is gone. Yeah. Would you give the? There were obviously two other films nominated, um, but we haven't seen either of them. Um, of the two that you've seen, would you give the award to Lagan? Yeah, I haven't seen No Man's Land, but I have to say, Lagan has to be one of the best sports movies I've ever seen. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I think that is its strongest suit. I think other parts of it are decent, but the way it really gets you into the cricket game and also teaches you about cricket by the means of having the characters not understand yeah. cricket themselves at first. At some film festivals that it was shown at, they actually put up the rules of cricket <laughs> before the movie started just to like, yeah. familiarize There's people. There's still a few things that I'm not entirely clear on. Yeah. But, like, what's an over? I don't know. Is that when they switch sides after running and now, like, someone else is batting? The, that... That could have stood to be a little bit more explained, but again, I'm not the target audience for this. The target audience already knows about cricket. I, I am committed for when we do an upcoming episode on cricket films to really learning and understanding how cricket works. I wish someone had told me that cricket ruled. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> well, we'll it's get such to. a macho sport. I wouldn't have like I wouldn't have thought that, but it is. Getting back to its reception, um, Lagan also won 
eight national film awards and nine filmfare awards. It was well-recognized in its home country. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to this um, Oscar nomination, it was a huge success both commercially and critically in India and around the world because of this Oscar nomination. A Mm -hmm. lot of uh, kind of mainstream Western film critics saw it and it was played in a lot of other countries. It was the first major release of a Bollywood film across mainland China. Mm -hmm. Um, And it played at many film festivals, including Sundance and TIFF. And so it was really poised to be this kind of crossover film to you know for the first time that bollywood would really break into a lot of foreign markets mm-hmm. and i think it's been successful i mean it's the sort of thing that's tough to gauge because exactly. you know the movie did really well and 15 years later we're able to see almost every bollywood movie that comes out like exactly. it may have just paved the way at least even for distributors to try sending things out to other countries possibly yeah i think its success in a combination with kind of um, digital distribution. Yeah, that's also been key. Exactly. We have seen kind of a, a Bollywood explosion in you know countries like here in Canada and elsewhere in the world. Just a kind of increased interest in Bollywood cinema and more and more of them playing regularly to the point that now we can go to our local cinema and have a pick of like or Bollywood films that are playing right now. In addition to Punjabi and Gujarati, just depending on the week, there's all kinds of different Tamil, movies. Telugu, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Lagan, uh, should we get into the story? Well, I think it's time for Interval, and when okay, we come yeah. back, we yeah. will get into the story. So why don't you set up our uh, Interval song for us, Matt? Sure. So you guys all know that I like a good training montage. <laughs> and this song, Chale Chalo, this is the one. Yeah. So this is, you know, your 1870s, 1880s equivalent to Sultan running against the train, to Rocky <laughs> running up the uh, running up the steps of the building in Philadelphia. This is the the Lagan team getting ready to play against the British, carving their own cricket bats, making their own leg protectory things. I know nothing about cricket. I don't know what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very macho. It is very macho. Uh, and I really enjoy it. The music in this film, we should say, uh, was done by Ara Rahman. Yeah, you may have heard of him. May have heard of him. Yeah. Uh, so this is Chale Chalo from Lagan. Bar bar ha, so that was Shallow from uh, Lagan. And yeah, so the story of Lagan is... I kind of want to go back to that subtitle. Once Upon a Time in India. So this is, to my mind anyway, and I think it, like... They're definitely marketing it with this. And I think the film holds up to it. It definitely has a Sergio Leone kind of mythic feel to it of these characters engaged in a larger-than-life situation mm-hmm. who are up against impossible odds and succeed. And it's very Kurosawa in that sense as well. Yeah. I mean, Leone was remaking Kurosawa films. Yeah, we were, like, when I was watching this, I, I immediately thought Seven Samurai. Yeah. This is the kind of nation building, you know, national mythologizing 
that you get with some of the great movies. Yeah. My Darling Clementine, kind of like those, those Yeah, like a John, John, like a John Ford, Ford, Ford movie, yeah. like Akira Kurosawa, like, you know, the, the Wuxia epics. Mm-hmm. Just the kind of big movies you can point at and say, that, that is from India. That, yeah. that is from China. Like, it, it's... It's an exemplar. And it has that kind of group of people, of good people, uh, who work the land coming together in the face of adversity, which I think is what you see in those Westerns and those samurai epics that have made those movies iconic and has made those movies, you know, stand for the people, for the nation that they are made in. And definitely in this movie, the town that is forced to play cricket... um, (laughs) It really tries to represent all kinds of people in the society. Yeah. So the story begins with uh, Paul Blackthorne's character, Captain Russell, who is a bit of a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. um, he's, you know, it's it's the British Raj. He's the captain in charge of this uh, uh, small kind of cantonment, I guess it's called. Uh, and the town where they live in is called Champaner. And he's talking to the local Raja. And just kind of out of the blue, he says, yeah, so I hear you're having trouble raising, you know, your taxes this year. It's not been a good year for the farmers, and you're not going to be able to, you know, pay your due to the Raj. That's what Lagan means. It's tax. Yeah, it's the land tax. So he says, well, I could help you out with that. You just need to do something for me. And the Raja says, well, what? And he says, I'll eat some of this meat. Yeah. And the Raja's like... Oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm vegetarian. He says, eat it. Come on. So, like, it's a very simple um, explanation of what it's like to have your country being ruled by someone else. But it's very effective, too. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, the deepest tenets of religion. That You know, he's a vegetarian. He respects all animals. He is being, you know, the the British saying, no, be like us. Eat the meat. Yeah, he he says no. No, Russell has no respect for Indian culture, Indian customs, any religion. He come, you know, he is British and thinks he is superior to these people that he is occupying. Yeah, it's also important to note that he's one of the, I think, two different officers really who can speak uh, Hindi. Mm-hmm. Um, there's his subordinate officer is able to as well, but. Like he's he's immersed himself in the culture well enough to know where the good hunting is. Yeah. To you know, get his manservant to teach him stuff, and he's basically made India into his own private uh, um, you know pleasure palace. Yeah. And uh, but out hunting one day after this has happened, and after the Raja has declared double lagan has to happen to the town. And all of the the whole his whole area, uh, in order to cover this debt that is really just a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Black uh, Russell runs into Bouvan, who is played by Amir Khan, mm-hmm. our hero, and uh, uh, Bouvan is trying to distract animals from getting hunted by him. So he's he's also in the forest and he's you know scaring the animals before they get shot, and. Yeah, right away comes up into conflict with this man. Um, the town elders get together after hearing about their tax increase, and they decide to uh, plead with the Raja, please, can you help us? And, 
Upon seeing Buvan in the audience, Russell, who's present, says, oh, it's you. Because they show up at a cricket game. Yeah, they, they, they show up at a cricket game where the English have tamed the countryside, basically. Carved out a cricket uh, pitch. pitch. And they are doing the most English thing possible in the middle of the country that they've stolen. <laughs> so he says, oh, it's you, that kid that I met. You know, it's pretty brave of you to show your face here. And what happens is... He challenges Bouvan to a cricket match. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, oh, you think our game is silly? Well, how about I bet you if you can learn our game and beat us at it, you will pay no Lagan. And the fun part of this scene is that it keeps increasing, too. He, he keeps says, raising the stakes. Yeah, he really wants this this match to happen. And Bouvan is like, eh, I'm not really interested in it. But eventually he just makes... The possibility of them winning such a sweet deal. Well, he makes it so the entire province doesn't yeah. need to even pay single Lagan, much less the double Lagan that they have to pay. For the next three years. For three years. And if they lose, they have to pay triple Lagan. Well, if they lose, it's Bouvan's town that has to play triple Lagan. Yeah. I don't think it's the whole province. So yeah. it's really setting him up against everyone else in town. He's, he's a pariah after that. No one wants to deal with him because literally their lives are on the line. Yeah. Because they're paying their grain. They're paying their livelihood. They're paying. They're taking food out of their kids' mouths you know, just on the off chance that he can learn this impenetrable English game and beat them at it. And then in comes Elizabeth Russell. Yeah. So that's Captain Russell's sister. Yeah. And she knows that he's cruel. Yeah. And she knows that he likes just screwing around with the people under his uh, his charge. And she says, okay, I want to help you. During the course of this time, she also learns Hindi in like three <laughs> days, which is very impressive. So she's some sort of super genius. But she tells Buvan, I want to help you. She also knows all about cricket. She knows all about cricket. She says, I know more about cricket than my brother does. I will teach you how to play the game. And that's kind of the basic plot of the movie yeah, after that. Slowly. There's about two more hours after that. But yeah. Slowly, Bouvan puts his team together, and then yeah, like about the last hour and forty minutes is this cricket match, and it's intense and yeah. awesome and really interesting. And man, cricket is a strange sport, man. Well, the first hour is setting up the plot. The second hour is getting the band together, yeah. which is one of my favorite tropes in any sort of movie. Is either a bunch of people who didn't know each other getting together and working on a thing like in mm-hmm. this one or literally getting the band together like in the blues brothers where you have to go get people who used to work together right i love or that. the muppet movie or the muppet movie yes just any time where a group of entertaining characters is brought together or back together i love this yeah and this is where the seven samurai illusion really works right. for me because you're getting short, in addition to the runtime in addition to the runtime <laughs> but you're getting short effective and very um flavorful character intros you don't know a lot about each person but you get enough to understand them and in the movie they are standing in for different parts of indian society yeah so there's a muslim man there's a sikh man there's an untouchable and amir khan gives this rousing speech of how they you know about how they need him how he's a part of their society and also i've noticed that he has a special power to throw the ball in a weird way because he has kind of a yeah gimpy hand but there's a collaborator yeah yeah there's a guy who's yeah. working with the english uh he's bouvan's romantic rival in town with gory the girl they both love and he's he's told to join the team and then take it down from the inside 
So we get, you know... Spoiler alert. Yeah. He eventually comes to the side of India. Yeah. So we get a boiling cauldron full of interesting characters, a, a great villain, his sister, who's, you know, an engaging uh, secondary love interest, basically, because there's a love triangle between Bhuvan, I really, uh, Elizabeth, and Gauri. I really identified with her, because she's like the white girl that discovers that she loves India, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I'm the white girl who discovered that she loved Bollywood. I yeah. also love America. <laughs> we get a nice uh, historical reference with the story of Krishna and Radha. Yeah. And, yeah, so that's the second part of the movie. And then the third hour and a half, I'd say, is the climactic um, uh, game. And yeah. i got to say, it's more exciting than a lot of, say, Return of the King-esque, you know, big battle scenes. Right. Like, this, this is a literal life-or-death struggle. And in addition to teaching me what cricket is and how it works... It's also just immaculately shot. It's shot like a, oh, yeah. a Western gunfight. So previously on this podcast, you had called cricket silly. Yes, I did. Because I said, what was it? I think I said field hockey was better. <laughs> because it is like ice hockey and therefore makes sense. And now, how are you feeling about cricket? Did you perhaps learn anything about cricket? I did learn. I think I learned a lot about cricket. Yeah. And... I wonder if maybe this was possibly one of the reasons why it did poorly at the Oscars. Because not everyone in the States, the presumed voting audience on the Oscars, knows what cricket is. And I, the, the movie does a pretty good job of explaining everything you need to know. There's some terminology I'm not entirely sure about. Like overs yeah, and the difference between getting your ball caught and getting a wicket knocked over. I mean, who knows if that... If that was a challenge with with the Oscar voters um, in two thousand and one two thousand and two, it was the best foreign language feature film was still one of the awards that you actually had to prove that you had seen all the films in the category before you could vote in it. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, that is no longer the case, which is too bad, really, because and isn't the case for all of the other awards. Yeah, um, and so at this time. Academy voters would actually be attending screeners, like 35 millimeter prints of this, um, before voting. Now they just get screeners they can watch at home, and maybe their maids watch them. Who knows? Um, so I don't, I don't know. I do find that sometimes uh, it comes down to subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I, I think this combination of kind of um, of sport, nation building, and challenging colonialism is Mm -hmm. very powerful and i do like how this film is structured like a western but instead of an epic gunfight um or a battle you know where you would have a lot of violence they're playing their game with sticks and balls as they say well in the film and i just i gilly dunda that makes it such a kind of like crowd-pleasing movie like Everyone can get engaged in this movie, and the yeah. stakes are so they couldn't be higher. Clearly, yeah, they're very high, and they're so clearly laid out. The heroes are so clearly heroic, salt of the earth people. Yeah, and the villain is so clearly like a maniacal colonial asshole. Yeah, it's it's been said that what boxing and baseball are the sports that adapt themselves best to movies. Yeah, yeah, baseball I, I think is one of the most cinematic sports. But and, you know, I think cricket you know, is kind of a. I think cricket is more cinematic than baseball, to tell yeah. you the truth, because I'm going to get to my list now of Your list things now? Okay. that I observed about cricket while watching. So, 
First of all, cricket is played, if you're English, in business casual clothes, <laughs> which is inherently just hilarious. I, like, we, we watched Ashoom, and we've seen what people wear nowadays in cricket. Yeah. Also of note, very strong helmet game in cricket now. <laughs> yeah. Because the second thing I noticed, you could just throw the ball at someone's head if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't do that in baseball. They don't They don't get any runs. You just get knocked over. And you, what then is you gotta, the umpire there for? They're just hucking balls at people's heads. Yeah. And People are bleeding. And the umpire's like, balls in. Yeah. And... You know, at certain points, they're breaking people's legs. Like, the ball is very hard. And Yardley, the, you know, bully boy guy that uh, Russell digs up to throw balls at people. I mean, he's he's a cruel jerk. Yeah. And he's brought in specifically to hurt people. But, you know, a bean ball in baseball, that gets you, uh, it gets you uh, on base. In cricket, you just get knocked down and you have to get back up again. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, something else I noticed. So in baseball, one of the most dramatic things that can happen is called a no-hitter. Right. Where the pitcher just pitches and no one ever hits the ball. And it's like a, it's like a battle of wills. Like, is this guy going to hold out the whole time? Is this, like, kind of magical thing going to happen? Cricket is the exact opposite. It is an all-hitter. <laughs> because if you're good enough at hitting, you could just stand there and hit forever. Mm. And uh, Amir Khan's character, uh, due to the way that cricket has two hitters up on on the pitch at once if one gets eliminated someone else comes on but the other one stays so as his team is gradually whittled down by the english trickery or by you know them getting hurt or just by yeah. getting out the brutality of the game yeah he's standing there watching his whole team get decimated and that's the most important thing because if he was sitting on the bench or something it wouldn't be good no he's the one man out there with a bunch of English people circling around him. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Also of note is... So it's the exact opposite of a no-hitter. The scoring system, very interesting as well. So the English uh, win the coin toss, and they have to go first. And they put up some pretty big numbers because the Indian team does not have the most amazing fielding. Also of note, the trader on the team is deliberately letting things go. Right. So the the English are putting up really good numbers. But then when the Indians take over, they have to hit the same number in less wickets. Mm. So they have they have to do the same don't thing. Don't they get the same amount of wickets? I think they have to hit it in less. This is one of the things we're unclear about. But oh, okay. um, it, it gives a ticking time clock. Whereas in baseball, the game can go forever, right? Yeah. If it's a tie game, they well, just keep going I mean, forever. Cricket can really go forever because you go until your wickets are done. This game takes like what four days? Yeah, but like there is a ticking clock in that they have a very specific goal. Yeah, and they have to hit it, and you have to do a little bit of math to figure it out. So you do learn a bit of the strategy of cricket too. Mm-hmm. But you know, I thought that was really interesting. And finally, one of the most exciting things to do in baseball is steal a base. Right? Yeah. The way you get runs in cricket is basically by stealing bases because you're either trying to hit it out of the arena and get four runs right away or hit it in such a way that you're able to waddle across to the (laughs) other wicket wearing your hilarious uh, shin guards. And it's like stealing a base every time. And you have to kind of coordinate with the guy on the other end like, okay, are we running now? We're going. Okay. Like there's a lot of teamwork there that's really interesting. So I, I think cricket is more cinematic than baseball. Interesting. Well... 
when we see more cricket movies, uh, when we've seen as many cricket movies as we have seen baseball movies, I feel like we will be able to make a definitive answer. Also, of note, but I will say, well, uh, one uh, one more thing. Okay. I don't know if this is intentional because I don't know how they would have made the cricket bats otherwise. But Buvan carves his own cricket bat, not unlike Robert Redford in the The Natural. Ah, uh, great movie. Like the fact that you're building your your components from the ground up is you know a trope of some bat- baseball movies, and it's very uh, you know mythological, right? Yeah, as we've said before, we don't really like sports, but we like sports movies, and this is one of the greatest sports movies ever made. Yeah, and I think. It's partly because so much of it is focused on this game and kind of what this game represents within both kind of the scope of the film and the scope of this kind of it's the country and its history is immense, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like you really, you really, really get invested in it. And it's so well shot. This entire film mm-hmm. is absolutely Gorgeous. Yeah, it's. Um, we're talking on your other podcast this week about two other desert movies, and yeah. um, it. I think is well. We'll see how the other two look, but this one is beautiful looking, and it it uh, it combines the sort of Sergio Leone, you know, widescreen look of things mm-hmm. with the interesting and to us somewhat exotic look of India. Yeah, and it's just like, and the dancing in this movie, absolutely beautiful. Like, I think the music is wonderful, and there's these big dance sequences of these villagers. Like, it has it has a very kind of um, pastoral feeling to it. Yeah. And it's so, it, it just, everything about this feels meaningful. Yeah. I, and there's just, like, yeah. there's some incredible cinematography in this movie with kind of, Bodies and silhouetted in front of the sun setting in these kind of grand romantic moments during these romance songs. And it just, I think it really, like, it's really quite moving. And I like it when films can kind of go into these very kind of poetic mm-hmm. moments. Um, and it still feels like, you know, it's driving the story along. It doesn't feel yeah. like it's stopping for this. It's still kind of, it, it's all a part of it. And at, at three hours and 40 minutes, it really does kind of go by quickly. Yeah, it really does. Um, I wasn't as high on the songs as you. I, I th- like them. I think they're I good. Think there wasn't really a standout for me. I like the training montage one. Yeah. And I like the um, song. The once, Love Triangle The one. Love Triangle one where Amir was wearing uh, English clothes, where Elizabeth is wearing Indian clothes. Yeah. Uh, that was a fun reversal. Do you um, like the one um, where Amir Khan um, and kind of the village is like praying for the rain? Yeah, the and there's, there's that one. And then there's also the one where they're praying for the cricket match to go better. Yeah. I mean, I that, like both of those. Those too. are okay. I, I, I think I've seen songs in later movies that I like better, but mm-hmm. I have to try and evaluate this one based on its own time. So I, I think I they're like okay. These. I, th- I really like the kind of... Yeah, again, that pastoral aspect to them, that kind of like this village coming yeah. together. Yeah. Um, actually, come to think of it, this does kind of remind me of Billu a little bit. Okay. Because it's a similar story of someone who encounters something bigger than himself and is at first kind of ost- – well, in Billu's case, he's like lionized by everyone in the community, whereas Buvan is it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he's kind of – they both have to reconcile themselves with the village lifestyle. Yeah. So – yeah, mild, 
Mild spoilers for Billu, but that's a great movie, too. <laughs> it is, yeah. Probably one of my favorites we've done. So... I guess one thing I wanted to ask you was, what did you think of the uh, the women in the movie? Because I thought Elizabeth was... She was a character. Mm-hmm. Gory less so. Uh, no, I really like Gory. Like, I think Gory grounds a lot of it because she she's this woman in the village who... I mean, she loves Bouvon and she believes in him and I think you kind of you see the best in him because of her and I like the kind of love triangle between the three of them I like how she you know wants to be involved in this project and how invested she is Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's and she's really, jealous. Yeah, I, and I think she's really well played by Gracie Singh. Like, I think she just like she has such a range of emotions, and everything is on her face all the time. You know yeah. exactly what she's thinking. I mean, it's it's a pretty long movie, and I don't know if giving her more to do would be good, actually. But she's like a spitfire. Like, she's a really fierce character. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's set in the Victorian era, so, you know, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't get to play the game. She's still a Although girl. she says she wanted to. Yeah. And I was actually kind of halfway thinking she was going to. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a, a moment in I there. I think if they made it now, she would have. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, but, yeah, she's a spitfire. I, li- I like both of these women. I think Rachel Shelley does a great job with... Elizabeth. Um, I'm not super keen on when Elizabeth sings, although I do really like that song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that her parts in English too. Yeah, like she, uh, you know, miraculously learns Hindi very, very quickly, but she's still English at heart, and she sings about how much she loves him in her native tongue. Yeah, and I like the relationship that she develops with these villagers, and also like you totally believe that she's falling in love with Amirkan because who wouldn't fall in love with Amirkan? So who's your favorite of the oddballs on the team? Oh, I think I like the 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 guy, the kind of wild man who prays to Hanuman. He's yeah, the best. he's he's just walking around, just yelling all the time. <laughs> he's pretty awesome. Uh, I like the strategy once Tipu the kid comes on because yeah. his I think it's his father. His uh, his ankle's broken or smashed by a ball. And they start using him to do runs. But then, you know, the English figure out a way around this. I also really like the guy who has the crazy-ass uh, ball-throwing style. Not the untouchable guy, but the other guy whose left arm is completely straight. And then he just <laughs> spins his arm like he's a cartoon character. Which and then maybe... whips it. And, the, like, the English don't know a way around this guy, too. Like, it... it, uh, it to go back to baseball, I mean, there's so many different pitching styles in this. It's like if one in every three people were a knuckleballer or something, and you have to just kind of learn this weird new way of throwing a ball every time. I will time. say, though, I've learned from uh, the Disney movie Million Dollar Arm that the way that you pitch in cricket, or bowl in cricket, is completely different than the way that you pitch well, in baseball. Well, I mean, yeah. But this is also... Yeah. A different time too, so like rules may have changed, and people definitely wear a lot more safety gear now. Well, because- yeah, and at one point they even said like, "Is he allowed to do this?" And they're like, "There's no rule written that he can't. We should write one." So yeah. I don't know if they eventually did. It's not written rule. anywhere that a giraffe can't play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then I giraffe. I'm carrying your baby. I love this movie. <laughs> I do think it is one of the finest Bollywood movies, and kind of one of the finest pieces of. Cinema, uh, you know, to come out in this century. Yeah, it I, should have been on the list. You're, uh, you're insinuating. It should have been on the list. Like, I, you know, this is just like it is such 
a well-made movie. It also happens to be crowd-pleasing. Like, it just, it hits every mark. You, you can know? take The Dark Knight off the list. It's got <laughs> enough accolades, just whatever. Put something that is not a Batman movie on there. Yeah. But I just, like, I, you know, I... And I, I hope that... Put he, Doom on, Doom 3 on there, actually. Swatch, swap <laughs> that out for Batman. Okay. Um... You know, I'm, I'm sure because of its Oscar nomination, you know, a lot of people saw it who went. Um, but I hope that, you know, people like us continue to discover this film because it's it holds up. It's great. I've honestly become interested in watching Cricket now. Yeah. I well, mean, I, I have a great idea for um, an upcoming Cricket-themed episode. So, you know, yeah. stay tuned to our second year yeah. of Bollywood is for Lovers. But I like you know I've also enjoyed going to baseball games and I yeah. think I came to that from movies as well. Yeah. So, you know, movies while I'm not a, the most sport sport inclined person, I think something like this where you, it gets you in the head of someone who's playing the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't have the ability to do that myself. So, learning what it's like on the field gets me interested in watching it. Well, I think that (laughs) brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah. We will be back in two weeks. Uh, We're welcoming Danny Bowes back on the show for a second time. We will be discussing the race films, Race 1 and Race 2, starring Saif Ali Khan and a hungry Anil Kapoor. (laughs) (laughs) Very hungry. And Akshay Khanna and... uh... Who is it? Katrina, Katrina Cave? Cave, Katrina Cave, Basu, Deepika Padukone, a galaxy of stars in the race films. Stars that are fair. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can, uh, I always do this in a different order to mess with you. <laughs> you can check out our Tumblr, bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com. You could check out our Twitter account, at BollywoodPod. You could check out both you and I on Twitter. I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin E. Fraser, E-R-N-E, F-R-A-S-E-R. You can look up our podcast on Audioboom, which is our preferred podcast providing service. You can check it out on iTunes. You could check it out on Stitcher. If you're on Facebook, type in Bollywood is for Lovers. Join our little fan page there. Ask us a question. We're not going to bite. Uh, you can also listen to my other show, Trash Out the Movies, that I do weekly with Paul Matchuk. We are recording our 200th episode in a couple days. Yeah, you and thought one year was something. 200. That's got to be, what, four years now? About? Yeah, yeah, over. Yeah. And Matt, you will be joining us to discuss, uh, as well as Paul's Wife to You, very excited for this, to discuss Dune and Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, these were the two other desert movies I was alluding to. <laughs> And spoiler alert, Dune has the exact same ending as Lagan, <laughs> which uh, I think I laughed so hard you woke up in the other room. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, the format of your podcast is a little bit different. You know, check it out as well, Trash Hard in the Movies. Uh, I listen every week. Oh, thank you. So, yeah. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. We will read all the reviews out at the top of the show of our next episode. It really helps new listeners find us and, you know, helps us in those podcasting ranks. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you soon.